Welcome to another episode of the Goldust Podcast. If you haven't already, click subscribe and look out for new episodes releasing every other Friday. We hope everybody also enjoyed our last episode with Randy Waldrum. Before we introduce today's guest, we want to mention our partnership with clothing company Capo. The meaning behind the brand runs much deeper. The northwest of England clothing brands strive to provide premium, aesthetic fitting and quality clothing at affordable prices. Check out their products at www.capouk.com and on Instagram at capouk. Now for today's guest. Here is a snippet of what to expect. Everyone's got lots of opinions of the game um, and it's it's good because, you know, a game is of opinion. But I think when you've, you've been in a room and you can see experienced players, coaches, CEOs, managers, managing directors, um, head of commercial, head of legal, whatever it is, you're in that room, um, you know, and, and it may be out of your comfort zone in a number of areas, but if you can sit in a room and you can listen to people and digest and think about what's being said, I think those are really, really key skills um, that probably go um, get overlooked if you want in some things. I think you're always looking to try and get to the, the destination, which is senior leadership or whatever it is you decide in your career you want to get to. But you kind of forget really the importance of the journey and all of those positive and negative experiences that you have that probably shape you in your life to be who you are and, and what you want to be. We're excited to welcome Lee O'Neill onto today's episode of the Golders Podcast. Lee is currently president for USL League One in America and is the former general manager and academy manager at Ipswich Town, having spent almost 20 years at the club. He started his role with the United Soccer League in October 2022 and quickly moved into a role with the executive leadership team in their organisation. Lee, welcome and thank you for coming on to the Golders podcast today. Thanks for having me. So, first question, as always, Goldust to us is sprinkling particles of knowledge to help people. What does Goldust mean to you? What does gold dust mean to me? And I've, I've been listening to various different answers to this question uh, over the last couple of months. Um, various different things, if I'm being honest. Um, I look at, and when I hear gold dust and just think of gold and the, the history, if you want, of, of a valuable product and looking at how it's been uh, mined over history. And, and I, I, look, I link those words of history to knowledge and knowledge is power. And um, so I look at those kind of elements and think to myself, um, the people that have had experiences of through their life positively and negatively in the way that they give that information back to people so that people can continue learning. That's my perception, if you want, of gold dust and how influential it can be. Um, like I said, from a positive experience to a negative experience, I think it's really important for people to to sprinkle that gold dust down again. So it has lots of different contexts, but in my world, that's what it that's what it means. So Lee, you just getting into your past history, you worked at Ipswich Town for the best part of two decades. Uh, and over that period, uh, you were general manager of football operations uh, and academy manager. What yep. inspired you to pursue a career in the, in the soccer industry in the first instance? And the second part is what lessons have those experiences taught you? Um, okay, so probably I'll go back a little bit more. Um, just before my experiences of joining Ipswich, um, I 
Uh, I'm lucky enough to have a really strong network, my family around me, my mum and dad, who have always been very supportive. My dad um, was a professional football player um, and played through uh, the club that I ended up going to work for with Ipswich um, and moved on more from the youth side of things, his career. And then he moved on to play for Cambridge and under Ron Atkinson there, short spell at Northampton. And then he actually came out to America and played in the uh, MISL uh, in Major Indoor Soccer League then back in the mid 80s. So I think his influence uh, for me on the game and, and I always used to be as a young kid going to watch him um, in an ice hockey arena playing indoor football, which was very different then as to what it is now in my journey. But getting really passionate and understanding the game and, and what it brought to you know the game itself, learning how they win, you know, the, the highs and lows of the game, home and, and winning and losing and all of that kind of stuff. So I think that was one element that got me really addicted really early on. Um, and then we moved back from America and then I started to uh, I was actually involved in swimming a lot more than football. Uh, my discipline around came with with swimming and going into the pool before school and after school. And um, I did that all the way through really until I got to the age of 14, 15, where I had to kind of make a choice where I was just about to be scouted for playing football for my local team to transferring to Ipswich's then academy or center of excellence back in the day and so I made a choice to transition from swimming to football um, and then went through that journey as a, a young apprentice and I think that's where I kind of realized that it, it became a, a transition from a hobby to a job and um, you're you're learning very much everything about the game that you you hadn't seen up to that point um, so I think my journey then was 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 with Ipswich Town and because I'd grown up there as a young kid and in around the area it was my club that I supported and uh, I was very lucky really to to be in and around that environment when we were in around the Premier League um so you know some big teams coming to Portman Road and um you know exposed to a lot of things and that that comes from simple things like cleaning the changing room when you've got Man United and big clubs coming there and you're you're sitting there and you see you know Eric Cantona walk in and you think oh my goodness this guy's you know you're that close to some of your icons that you've looked up to over a number of years so I think that hook and that enthusiasm um was where I got my identity with Ipswich um one of the many statistics and, and David you can relate to this unfortunately I suffered with a lot of injuries and every time I got myself into a situation where I was trying to play regularly, uh, there were setbacks uh, and setbacks normally involved injury and surgery and having a large amount of time out of the game. I think when you're in that situation, you start to look at other parts of the game. Um, if you can't go out and it's the most frustrating thing when you're in the change room in the morning and you see all of your mates going out to train. And at the time we used to get changed at Portman Road and drive up to the training ground and the senior pros used to take us up to the training ground. Um, when you are not able to do that and you're in the treatment room for a long period of time, you 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 start to look at other things. And for me, that was in the, the medicine and medical area because we were I spent a lot of time in the treatment room. But it was also on how, you know, the game day operations started to, to work and what coaching looked like. And I was automatically thinking the what if. And I think that's my influence. My dad, who you know, had to sh cut his career short through an injury as well, um, was always really confident in me staying in education and learning. Um, so I did my educational pathway and then started to understand that there are different elements to football outside of playing. Um, and so that transition for me um, out of football, if you want, um, playing wise, when the decision was that I wasn't going to be kept on at Ipswich um, and that I had a choice to make. Do I go and trial at other clubs or, or do I look at a university pathway? And it was a difficult decision. Um, I didn't it didn't take me. Um, sorry, it took me 
quite a while to make that decision. I actually had some time out, about six months to really evaluate what it is I really wanted to do in the next part of my journey. And I was incredibly disappointed that I hadn't made it at my boyhood club. Um, you know, because your friends there, your family grew up there, you go to every game and, you know, it becomes a little bit more disappointing. Um, so you then look at what can I do next? So studying was for me the next option. And, and then I went to Loughborough. Um, and within Loughborough, um, again, that kind of re-energized me, I think, of my football, um, my love for football and the game. And um, we trained as hard as I did, you know, my, my scholarship time at Ipswich. Um, lucky enough to do a lot of traveling with, with the university team. We, we won titles, British University's title that, again, gave my love back to the game. And I, I really wanted to learn coaching and, and sports science and developing all those other things. So my degree was in teaching and learning, business and sports science. It was kind of three elements. And but look now, you know, 20 odd years later, I think I've covered just about all those elements in my undergrad uh, in my career, which has really helped me out. Um, so, yeah, then getting into teaching and coaching is how I really got my 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 love back into not playing, but being involved in the game and having an impact or trying to um, help people that have gone through it or going through a similar journey. Um, and so that that led me back really to, to Ipswich Town. When I graduated, I was teaching and coaching and started off in the the, the youth side of the academies with the, the younger kids at under eights, under nines. And yeah, the journey kept going all the way through to, to, to my last position, which I was very fortunate to do. Well, Lee, obviously lots of experiences and, and looking back on your previous roles, what skills or experiences do you think were most valuable in helping you grow as a professional? Really good question. Um, I think for me, having the opportunity to be in a room and listen to really experienced people, I think it's sometimes an undervalued skill um, to sit there and listen. Um, everyone's got lots of opinions of the game um, and it's it's good because, you know, a game is of opinions. But I think when you've you've been in a room and you can see experienced players, coaches, CEOs, managers, managing directors, um, head of commercial, head of legal, whatever it is, you're in that room um, you know, and, and it may be out of your comfort zone in a number of areas, but if you can sit in a room and you can listen to people and digest and think about what's being said, I think those are really, really key skills um, that probably go um, you get overlooked if you want in some things. I think you're always looking to try and get to the, the destination, which is senior leadership or whatever it is you decide in your career you want to get to. But you kind of forget really the importance of the journey and all of those positive and negative experiences that you have that probably shape you in your life to be who you are and, and what you want to be. Um, so I think the, lots of experiences have taught me um, failure, um, you know, is a big thing. You learn it a lot through through not making success or, or things that don't quite go your way. So for me, failure was not playing and, and injury side of things and then trying to coach and not getting your messages across and how can you clearly articulate something that you think is quite simple in your brain, but for some reason, it doesn't quite digest into the young players. How can you look at different ways of teaching and learning? So you learn quickly um, through negative. I, one of the worst parts of my job, without a shadow of a doubt, is when you sit there as a retain and release coach and you've got to make a decision on a player, you know, and you're taking their dream away from them. Um, and, you know, you can relate to a lot of it. You've been through it. You sit there and someone's telling you you're not quite good enough and it's not what you want to hear. And it's how do you use that in a positive way to re, you know, re go again? And it's it's the hard. It was the hardest part of my job, without a shadow of a doubt, sitting there with parents and players, you know, and unfortunately having to deliver that message that their journey had come to an end 
at that particular time but it isn't the end of a journey it's just a different path they're going to take and, and trying to articulate that so i think um those lessons were brilliant um you know not always nice but were brilliant for my learning and i think it's helped me shape the person family man that i am when you start to look at some of those values um i was incredibly lucky david keith to give be given opportunities really quickly in my career outside of the game whether it be coaching or whether it be you know head of department or a, an academy manager or or a senior man- manager I, I was lucky to be in the right place at the right time um and obviously people had seen something in me to give me that opportunity so um i think it shaped a lot of experiences that you know i still reflect on now uh, in the new role that i've got here both positively and negatively there are things that you can draw on and i think as you grow and get older you you learn quicker and faster that you can't make some of those mistakes uh, often and um and really you're trying to help educate and and teach and coach albeit not on the grass now it's in the the boardroom or it's in the in the office in a different way well, let's just delve into a little bit around what you're currently doing. Those previous experiences have helped shape you currently who you are. But you moved over to the, to the states just on just over twelve six months ago. Is that, is that right? Yeah, I moved over end of October. Um, okay. So yeah, moved over um, to the US. Uh, I'm based yeah. in Tampa in Florida. Very recently, become vice president of the United Soccer League, League One most recently so we, so so congratulations on that league but uh looking back on your previous role what mm-hmm. skills of or experiences do you think were most valuable in helping you grow as a professional yeah i think um my my knowledge or my comfort zone was always the the pitch and everything that went around the game um so like i said performance wise sports science coaching medicine um players player development I think that was where my my knowledge or understanding and from studying and applying that was where I was comfortable in I think where I was uncomfortable and needed to learn very quickly was um, the business and commercial world and how they correlate with each other and and the importance as my career has grown and obviously working within the senior parts of clubs that you understand very quickly that you know clubs are businesses and they need to run in a way that um, allows uh, business to work like any kind of startup or any kind of business they have to run um, successfully and um, so my world in the business world commercially um, finance all of those things were areas that I learned a lot very quickly and I was again very fortunate to be in and around those conversations and meetings with people and accessing learning outside of that environment that challenged me in a different way I think bringing those two skill sets together um, and then coming across to the U.S. I think has really helped me um, to work with ownership groups and presidents here in the US because a lot of the clubs that I work with are startups and are very young in their age. Um, you know, League One itself uh, from 2019, so relatively short career uh, or, or a lifespan. So some of them are only three to four years old. So they're startups and taking those elements of the on field and off field um, business and performance. Is, is the key areas that I kind of work on now um, with the owners and the presidents on how they can build teams and the game in their local markets or in their given market, in their given areas. I know I mentioned vice president and, uh, you know, I caught myself directly after that. I thought, no, actually, you were vice president up to last week. Yes. Now newly appointed president. Yes. Um, 
Thank you. Yeah, no, it's it's great. Um, still can't get used to that title because I think the one president being the the US president. But um, yeah, no, it's it's great. It's a leadership position, obviously, and you're very much what I was doing before. Um, in in when I first took the role over here, and it's been great. We've had some changes at the USL offices. Um, and I think as anyone goes through change, there's always opportunities. And and luckily for me, um. Alec and, and Justin and senior people here at the USL have have given me another opportunity really from a from a leadership and management perspective so um yes recently been elevated which is it has been great um but still the same you know focus for me and still drive for me in, in what I was doing before I think for you to have been there such a short time and it obviously speaks volumes about the impact you've already had in that that period to have have, have been put in in that leadership role and um, as you've mentioned, obviously moved over around about six months ago. But what inspired you to move from the English Football League to the United Soccer League in America? Yeah, I think um, I'd done a, a long time at one club, not necessarily done one role. I was lucky, like I said, to have different roles, but I spent a long time in one environment. And that has its positive and negatives. Um, and I, I draw a lot of positive experiences. But the negative side of things is that, you know, um, change was happening in my previous role in the previous club. There was new ownership coming through and there was new ideas. And and it was an exciting time. And I think it just naturally stemmed me. I got to the age of 40 and you start to reflect a lot more on what you've done in your life and where you where you see your next 20 years going. And um, I had this bit of epitome in uh, Finland with the Northern Lights, uh, I think, in you know, what, what would that look like uh, in the next 20 years? So my wife and I um, had visited the US a lot. Um, we, we tend to come here on holiday in the summer. She's got family out here. And I was always intrigued with the MLS and the USL and, and what's going on. I look at the landscape of the, the country and think, wow, it's massive. I know that there has been a lot of investment over the last five, 10 years. Um, you look at the ownership in the English pyramid from American investment. Um, you know, they love the game. And um, and I think for me, it was a really exciting opportunity that was presented to me uh, last year um, within the USL. And, you know, once I'd been across and seen and had conversations with people in the offices here and spoken to a few people and owners, it was it was an easy decision for me to make. It was also the hardest decision to make. And it wasn't necessarily for me. That was for my family, because when you're moving from one country to the next, um, I've got two young children. It, it directly affects them. I can't leave them at home and work from England and, and work from the US and leave them in England. So we decided that whatever project I was going to do next, we were all going to invest as a family and my wife and kids were going to come with me. And um, as I said previously, really, it's it's about the journey. And uh, I was always focused really on the destination. I want to be a leader. I want to do this. I want to do that um, in my career. But I, you know, going through it so quickly, you you kind of forget all the experiences and the enjoyment you have of getting there and 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 going on that journey. So, my family and I are on a journey really, and we decided to take the leap um, and come across uh, from England to to Florida. Like I said, six seven months ago, they've settled really well. Um, the the people around here have been brilliant, um, both from an office and community perspective, and that's allowed me to focus on on the job here in Tang and at, at the head offices. My wife and family are settled in school and in the local community that we're in. So um, it was just the timing, I guess, answering your question. It was the timing of um, me and my life, the things that I'd done and the direction necessarily that I wanted to go. I wanted to go and challenge myself in a lot of different ways that I hadn't, I hadn't done. And I thought um, and I still think 
the area in the market that I'm in, in the US, uh, because it's growing at such a rapid rate was a really good place for me to be and try and help some of my skill sets with, with some of the ownership groups. So having spent a little bit of time now working out in the States full time, all the families there, which helps to provide an element of, uh, that's a security of contentment. But whilst working in the field, whilst working in the development side and leadership and management of developing soccer over in the US, what are some similarities and main differences that you've noticed between working in English football, in the English Football League, and the United Soccer League? Yeah, so um, although we speak the same language as in English, the language of whether you call it football or soccer is different. And the translation around those meanings is something I'm getting my head around, you know. So I I would still refer to it in my head as football, but having to translate it as soccer and even the way you say it, it's still new to me. And I'm learning that very quickly and, and making sure I communicate the language very well. I think that's important in America. It's soccer. It's not football. And so that's that's a key. Matter. But but really other simple things like uh, arenas and stadiums fans and supporters they mean different things but yeah in my world they're kind of similar um so how you relate to it i think one thing um america does really well um in the sports industry is entertainment i think the entertainment level of and that's not just what goes on 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 a pitch um indoors or outdoors that's actually the whole experience from the moment you buy your ticket to the moment you arrive you park your car you drive in your in experience and um journey of of that environment is really important so their experiences are amazing um you could be going to and i went to ice hockey games basketball games baseball games and there is a you're not necessarily focusing on the the team that's going into competition with what, what the other competition in the game you're actually uh involved in like a social uh, experience that involves um consumer products merchandise all these other different things around it that you come away thinking what a great experience that was and no different to England, the experience going to a game is phenomenal, but it's very different. You are totally focused on what's going on with the pitch, whether it be 11 v 11 or whatever experience you're going, you're, you're concentrating on what's going on in the pitch. So I think there's a transition here. Um, I think more people are becoming curious about what's going on the pitch and trying to understand it a lot more, especially around the technical and tactical aspects. Um, but they're they're very good at the the entertainment and the the tailgating and the experience and and I think that's that's something I'm learning around um, successful business models um, because they do that very well out here. It's something I found as well, Lee. With it is they go for the like the event is it it's an event. So growing up in England, people just go to watch the game. Mm. They'll they'll watch that single game whereas in the US it's not just the game it's everything that surrounds it too and obviously you have the the tailgating and in the NFL and people go the six seven hours before the game starts and playing all kinds of games outside but it's it's a real social event and that was something that I found when I first came over here too yeah, and it's it, it's like bringing it all together. Um, there'll be bits that I think are really good here uh, that they're doing really well and have done, like I said, in transition across lots of different sports. And there are things that are done really well in, in the UK and in Europe in general, really, around the game. And I think finding a way to kind of match them together um, is like the perfect storm. And, and hopefully fans' experience, player experiences um, all become 
the best it possibly can. And, you know, I think that's what I, I'd like to see it develop onto um, with better coaching, better player development, better opportunities for young players to play. And I think it's a journey that will take a period of time, but it will get there. And I think there is significant investment going on in stadium infrastructure uh, within the USL and the game in within the US in the US in general. So um, all of those things manifest for a perfect storm at some point. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting to be part of that now and drawing on some of those experiences, um, both sides of the pond. Going to ask, well, you touched on it in one of one of the previous, previous answers, but how have you been able to to use your experience working in the English Football League to help you in your current role? Um, I think I do, and, and I've probably gone into my teaching world, is you end up doing a lot more reflecting on how you've operated or things you've done or information you've gathered. You, you reflect a lot more. I certainly reflect a lot more than I did in my early part of my career. Um, and then I try to draw on, okay, things might have gone well and things didn't quite go to plan. And, but what, what, what did I learn very quickly or what can I apply in the next time I get the opportunity to do those certain things? And so that's where I'm in now with my journey, really. And, and the office environment that I'm in now is very different to the training ground environment that I was in previously. But there are lots of similarities. You know, there are still problems that occur. There are still issues that need to be fixed. There are still um, mission, vision, values within the culture that we need to develop and move on. So I draw on all those experiences, uh, positive and negative, to hopefully enforce some things that we can do better in the future. I'm trying really hard not to just draw on all my experiences from England because America is different. It can't just be England in America. Um, it's, you know, Americans have their own culture and their own way of doing things, which I love that, you know, they're different in, in lots of different things. I think it's just fine tweaks. And I think I'm trying not to, or when we did this at this club or when, when we did this across the pond, it, for some reason, doesn't always work that way. And it depends. You can go in the US and you can be down in like where I am in Florida, but go into kansas nebraska or going a different area and it won't work there because the landscape around that state is very different um culturally so i think it's adapting to what works within your own environment and i think um you know that's where i'm at at the moment i've got some really really good people in the office some that are from the area here in florida some that have moved from america and some that have moved from abroad and i think you kind of um once you get to know those people and you build up the the trust and the relationship you can bounce and you flex different things between people. And um, I guess you check and challenge people as well, you know, to try and make sure you can always be better. Um, so it's like, you know, we use resolution conflict or, or going through those issues that, you know, we don't like to have those uncomfortable conversations sometimes, but there's a way of having them and a way of using them really in a positive way to enhance change or develop good behaviors um, or make improvements. You've somewhat read my mind a little bit there, actually, because I was going to, I was going to ask a question and you've pretty much answered it because obviously being at, at Ipswich, you're dealing with one club mm -hmm. and now you're not. Now you're dealing with several clubs. So I was just going to ask around how you deal with different people, how you deal with different clubs, how you deal with different demographics and how you then draw from what you've previously done to help you with all of those different basically cultures that you have to... yeah. So there's a couple of words I think I've spoke of, but I'll draw on again is one, um, listening, so listening to what's gone on in history. So, again, just a little bit of the landscape of the USL. It's such a big country and the, the company, as in the league system that we have, 
you know, stretches across the whole of America. Um, and we've got approximately 850 teams all over America, 36 which are professional, um, you know, possibly building to around 50 teams professionally in the next few months. Um, so the landscape, first of all, is huge. It's massive. And you'll probably underestimate um, the size of it until you're here and you start getting in the car and you drive down the road, which you think would be an hour and it ends up taking four hours because that's just the norm here. So I think the landscape is one thing. Listening to uh, people that have been in the role or previous roles in a similar aspect, listening to what's going on within their own states, own clubs, um, positively and negatively, I think that's a good place to start because um, you naturally always think, oh, things aren't going quite well. And actually, a lot of things are going really well. So drawing on some of the good principles that people have done um, really quickly and then looking for some quick wins, really, I think, with people to try and make sure that you um, you can build that relationship and that trust with them that once you've listened, you've got to think and make decisions that can uh, influence them and the league and help everyone move in the same direction. And so that's been probably one of the things that I've done really, really uh, or tried to do, sorry, really quickly. And I'm still doing and um, because it's so big, um, you know, I want to be able to go and experience what it's like in their culture, in their worlds. So when you come from one club, one environment, like I said, positively and negatively, you learn a lot insular about that environment. And you kind of you get everyone's roles and responsibilities and what the culture is like going out and stepping out and going into, you know, Texas, New Mexico, Utah, wherever it may be. And you're realizing that they're all different. Being able to adapt from one environment to the other environment, I think, is crucial, especially in a leadership role. It's being quickly self-aware of what's going on around you, um, who the people are that you need to listen to very quickly, um, how you make those decisions. Um, so, yeah, when we talk about the gold dust sprinkle, it's looking at all the people who have had experiences and drawing on them, learning very quickly and then bring in your own ideas in a way that you can actually help people um, because the last thing they want to hear is, Oh yeah, you're not doing this very well. And all you need to do is the easy solution is I'll oh, just employ more people and chuck a load more money at it. Well, actually more people, more problems and, and stuff like that. You have to go through the process actually with the people that tend to be less resourced financially tends to be more creative and actually find different ways to solve problems. And they're the people within the organization that I'm talking to a lot more because they think, think about things slightly differently. And so I think that's a good place to start. And that's where I'm trying to transition from my previous role to, to this role. And it really goes back to developing community-based clubs and community-based football programs, soccer programs that allows them to grow in their own communities in, in a way that you know people are proud of when they come for, from their area and they want to go and support their teams. You know, listening to you intently there, you you can either look at these things, you know, if you're looking through one club, it's just looking through the microscope and that's all you see. You can get all the, you know, everybody and then transferring that and then looking through the telescope and then seeing bigger pictures and then transitioning between both and being able to use your experience of past lived experiences and then transferring those experiences into the, into this maybe not new world, but a different environment, which is, culturally very different same language exceptionally talented by the way as you've already alluded to the americans mm. around the business uh, aspect of things i have a little questioning around that so what are the usl's primary aims and objectives you spoke about there's 850 teams there's 36 pro teams 
likely to be 50 shortly. But what are what are the league's objectives? Well, look, I think, um, again, stepping it back, I think we're the first, if you want, organisation to look at the um, the ability for youth to pro, the pathway. And that's something we can relate to, what goes on in U- Europe what, with the youth side of things and how influential that is and the, the amount of investment that's gone into infrastructure, stadiums, coaching, development. And the ability to see that pathway all the way through to the professional status so that the teams can go and play an arena with fans watching and, and in a competition in a league with promotion and relegation, all of those things. So I think, you know, that's what we are. That's it. To grow the game um, from youth to pro across the whole landscape is, is you know, a big part of our vision. Um, and it is is grown at a rapid rate already. And it is continually uh, growing and it will continue to grow, especially with the uh, the World Cup coming here in 2026 you know the spotlight is going to be on the game um and so for the usl in particular the development of more professional teams the development of more stadium and more infrastructure uh is also part of our vision so obviously the professional league system and how that works is all on our agenda to to continue to grow over the next one two five ten years to make sure that we can be um the best and biggest possible league we possibly can in the u.s but I think also standards out, Keith, a little bit different to other leagues, particularly in the US, is that that development from the whole youth infrastructure and academy system that we have to the professional system that we currently are operating in with League One and the championship and the ability to continue to grow that. Again, David, you know that the landscape here and some of the markets that we're not even in uh, at this moment in time and the ability to move into those markets um, are, are, are wow, because it's such a great opportunity to be in. How do you see the future of, of soccer evolving over the next five to 10 years? And what roles do you envision your role playing in this evolution? You've obviously just mentioned the World Cup as, as part of that. I think we we have a, a duty, if you want, a duty of care of the game. I think um, you'll have seen some recent appointments to you know, US soccer with Matt Crocker coming over as well. Um, you know, I think the game is in a really good place at the moment. That's, that's a credit to a lot of the hard work that's gone on over the last 10, 15 years, you know, since the previous World Cup. And if you look, 94, I think it was, for where it is now, um, it's it's grown massively. And I think that will continue the pathway um, to get even bigger and better. Um, I think we have to continue educating and learning um, and developing a lot of those things. They're not there yet. Um, You know, the infrastructure around coaching and player development needs to continue to get better um, and draw on some of the good things and good practices that have gone on around the world and and taking some of those things back into the U S and continue to make sure that there's more homegrown players for, for, for America that come through. And it, we, we saw that in the last world cup and we hopefully we'll see it in the next world cup. You know, a lot of those players, that are either playing in the US and not playing abroad and, and see that as the destination for the future for them to play the most competitive league around the world and that being in, in the US and not going necessarily to Europe or anything like that. I think we're a, a way off that at the moment, but if you want to say 10, 15 years down the line, that would be one of the aims is to to try and help that you're part of the, the league system that allows talented players to grow and be able to play in the US and not necessarily have to go to Europe and, and be in the, the, the system. Um, one thing that's been really good to see, and um, you see, we see it all the time when you drive past, you see kids playing football in the park and, you know, that that whole old school football mentality it, where... Is it football or soccer? 
Well, I'm referring to into England, so it's football. When I refer to it over here, it'll be soccer. So in England, when you run a, driving past the park and you see kids playing football, it, 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 you know, you see the future of the game there. It's being played at grassroots. The kids love it. It's, you know, they just play the game for as what it is, this natural ability to enjoy playing football. Well, I've moved into a community over here in Florida and it's relatively new. And when I drive home, for me, it's really exciting to see. I see pictures in developments. I see goalposts. I see kids playing football. Sorry, soccer. I see kids playing soccer. And um, it, it excites me because it's not no a, an afterthought. And there's some big sports here in the US. You know, when you see there's a load of baseball pitches, there's a load of American football pitches. But you start to see more pitches and you start to see more people playing it, especially at a younger age. I think it's a sport that is going to be passed up to, to mum and dad and grandparents and cousins and they're coming home and their dad, you know, have you seen about this game or come and come and play soccer with me down the park. And, you know, mum or dad may have known a little bit about it, um, but not a lot. And then all of a sudden, I think as that evolves over a period of time, you'll see more and more um, families become in, in, involved in the game. Um, so, yeah, that that excites me. I think as I drive home, I see people, I see kids male and female, playing the game, which is is great to see. Without a doubt. I, I mean, I've been going out to the States since 1981, Lee, and the, the talent base out there is phenomenal. Yeah. Their athleticism, their enthusiasm, uh, some of the infrastructure, some of it good, some of it not. Likewise, where you come over to the UK, same thing. It's all relative. Yeah. But on a personal level, what do you do to stay on top of emerging trends and strategies and ensure that your decisions remain sharp and relevant? Yeah, again, really good question. I always look at, um, so I'm always listening to podcasts, I'll be honest with you. I think I like listening to people talk um, and then I kind of formulate my own thoughts around really key snippets or ideas or sprinkles of gold dust if you want i think oh i'll take that away i'll try that in my area and see if it'll work you never know and like i said everything's different but i try really hard where possible to listen to a lot of people um i'm not necessarily one of these people who go straight into a boardroom and screaming and shouting on on a number of levels i, I like to weigh up and probably um evaluate all the information in my my head and then formulate how i could possibly use that for the league, as as, as you rightly said, we talked about this. You could be the lens, and I like the saying: "See the forest between the trees." Um, you sometimes have to be on top of it and see what's going on in the future of the game. And you know, for my role at the moment with the league, I have to look at forecasting with owners and presidents what it's going to look like in the future, and the excitement that's going to bring to them as an organization and a business, but the US and the game. And so, I'm constantly looking at different ways of uh, cross-pollination from different sports things that have gone well things that haven't gone well I think you could always draw probably more experiences and things that haven't gone quite well and what you would do differently in that time so I listen I read uh I probably uh I've, I've also probably taken time out of the game um in my transition to really I guess hit the reset button in my life to make sure that I've learned a lot and reflected and done all those things that I wanted to do and I'll continue to do that I think Having time, especially for me, like on a Sunday where you don't run around at 100 miles an hour and you're, you're jumping from one thing to the next is you know, think about what you did and what you can do better and, and constantly go back right the next week. What little snippet can I make better? And, you know, did I manage to speak to that person that I really or did I manage to get my message across? Did I listen to them? How can I help them? And so you become a facilitator in a lot of things. And, and 
I'm not there yet in any way, shape or form. I'm just developing. And I'm like I said, going through this journey that I hope I can keep keep developing and learning quicker. So on that, you you've moved over to the US. How much of your time currently spent working in the business, working on the business aspect and working on it? Because I think it's important and it'd be remiss of us not to mention that you're a UA for air license. You've got a degree, you're doing a, an MBA in uh, in sports leadership and management. So your learning is consistent. Mm-hmm. So combined with your lived experiences, your qualifications, your understanding of the game, the leadership roles that you've undertaken in the past, now taking and transferring those elsewhere, working in or working on, to what value are you putting your time at the moment? I'm trying to look at, they say bang for buck, don't they? That's what a phrase they use here. What, what's the quickest bang for buck you can get? And I think there's always in my head a short, medium and long-term plan of how I can help people around me. So my short term is the here and the now, listening to what I can do and try and influence and help those people make better decisions, generate more revenue. Because as a as a new league or a relatively new league, a large amount of money can be invested. And we've got to look at revenue streams. We've got to look at P&Ls. We've got to look at costs. Everywhere across the world, everything's gone up. And so when we talk about experiences and we talk about sport, there's got to be a a balance between the two and making sure that there is sustainability and growth going forward for all of these clubs and us as the league to continue to grow. So that's probably my quick now. We want them to be sustainable and profitable and move forward. So you can't not, you can't avoid that. But at the same time, you're kind of having this um, thought process around okay what does it look like in three to five years in order to get there you can't just wait for that to happen and then put things in place you've got to start slowly putting building blocks in place and that might be around staffing infrastructure facilities stadiums coaching qualifications um education in general so all of those things i think interrelate and i guess that goes back to the vision connecting the usl's vision along with all the ownership visions and um with the FA technical directors course, for example, one of the early things I took away was the the role of a coxing in a boat and how they see um, management and how they're you know influencing or helping those people to steer the boat. And if you get one or two that are steering at a different pace or, or rowing, sorry, at a different pace or in a different direction, what it does to the boat and how the boat ends up being not successful to get to its destination. So I thought that was a really good analogy in my experiences of going, right, well, I'm now the coxswain of trying to steer the boat for a lot of people. And so there's lots of people in that boat doing very different roles. But if we all don't communicate, we're not all on the same page and we can't all pull in the right direction, then really the destination is never going to get to where we want to get to, or it's going to take a lot longer. And so I look at all of those things. And I think that's my my analogies, really, of trying to break down some of the processes that we all need to go through on on a daily basis to to do the things we want to do, particularly in the USL, particularly in the game. So there is a working in the business and then working on the business, which is what you've just mentioned. So if you like looking through the telescope and then looking through the microscope, there's an element of that going on on a daily basis. Absolutely. And, you know, something as simple as you're going through, you you work on KPIs and all these different departments from from legal to performance. They're probably split into two areas, performance on the pitch and performance off the pitch. Um, Do they correlate? Do they not correlate? Um, If so, how so? Why? And you start to ask all those questions. And once you start embedding it, 
again there isn't one just textbook to go by the way guys to the ownership group this is how you should do it this is the uh this is the one book so david and keith if you're writing the next book and this is how to completely translate a club from from here to take it to the you know a premier league of any kind of sort this is how you should operate it doesn't work that way i wished it did and probably would all be very wealthy people if that were the case but um you have to transition you have to adapt you have to learn and, and do all those things but really get under the microscope of some of the things that are good david i think and a fellow at that so if it is good can you share that practice with some other clubs because as a league and as the game we'll all grow quicker so we do some some calls in a month and we have a, a president's round table and we share good practice and this idea we give an opportunity to a club to to show what showcase and it might be something around ticketing commercial uh, recruitment whatever it is i don't want to always be just from me uh, as the role of facilitator i want to bring in good practice and let them talk about it because they're in it and they're they're developing their own strategies so um some of the methodologies but yeah 100 you have to look at everything you can't just think of the here and now i think again if i learned from my last role that's probably where i spent too much time in and, and doing the, the fighting the fires on a daily basis and not necessarily thinking about how we could be better in the longer term um so yeah that's definitely one of the uh key objectives for me is to look at the short medium and long-term plans part of what you said there really resonates lee and I think if you look at from a from a footballing standpoint as well, and if we take from a youth development standpoint in England and in Europe, it's something that's been around for years and obviously has, has been developed and been nurtured and has a lot of people in and around it now that obviously it's showing with the success of the players that are coming through. And even though in, in the US the demographics are completely different, there are some clubs that do very well and are doing very well in terms of bringing players through. And um, there was um, recently one of uh, the, the biggest sale in, in USL history from an academy product that that got brought in or got brought through the, the ranks where clubs are doing well. And I think it's important that obviously that gets shared. Like you said, the success, this, this club are having success. Why are they having success? And then what do we need to do to try and emulate that? In yeah, it's a really good point, David. Really, really good point. I think Kobe Henry, obviously, um, you know, we over the last couple of years, and this is where I'll draw on, if you want, Mark Cartwright's experience and what he's brought to the league in his role as a sporting and technical director, um, you know, and some of the academy work that's been gone on here with Liam and, and everyone else in the, the and Joel and the lower leagues and pre-pro space has enabled the league to, you know, smash its transfer um fees or valuations in the, four times in the last two years and you know when you look at some of the things that go on in Europe and the astronomical fees that are paid for players and transfers it's mind-boggling um so I think what has changed and, and Mark's been a big influence on that and along with Jake as well I think the education to some of the clubs around players are now um as assets uh, and not liabilities and liabilities when I see it on a PL, they're probably one of the most expensive things when you look at the costs that are associated to running a football club, players and staff are, are one of the highest um, expenses. So seeing that slightly differently and probably different to any other sport in the US where you have the ability to develop your own and you'll, you'll hear these words uh, youth and academy in the US mentioned a lot and um, pay to play models and all this different terminology. But realistically, it's the pathway in from the development 
to professional, something I drawed on a little bit a while ago. We're the organization that has that. We have a landscape um, that's quite wide across the US. There's a lot of good work being done. Coaching has improved and will continue to get better. Facilities have continued to get better. And therefore, the, the, the amount of children that are playing the game, the amount of young adults, male and female that are playing the game, naturally will improve because they're spending more time with better coaches and better facilities. So the end product of that is the professional game. And I think developing the product and the teams and the competition, as well as recruiting players into that league and um, raising the standards on the pitch will continue to raise the bar for American soccer. And, and that that goes back to my point really in the next, the next four years might come around a bit too quick for the American national team, but the following years, if you look seven to eight years down, those players that are playing in the USL youth, youth side of things or the academy side of things should be looking at that next World Cup or even if they're very lucky the next four years, that's where they want to be and play for the US. But definitely 100% the talent pool here is is great. And, and you know, I was involved in the youth side of things a lot in, in my career in England, but I've seen some really talented young players here already in the in the six months that I've been here. And, and that's really exciting to see. And, and I only think that's going to get better. I've got a couple of questions here, uh, Lee. I don't know which way to go with it, to be honest, but we're... if an owner was to walk into your office now, mm-hmm. so a, a potential new owner, potential new franchise were to walk into your office and were to ask you the following, what question would you like for them to ask you? So for the owner to ask me a question? Yeah. Um, so what what can they do if they're the uh, financial backing or they're the um, the custodian of the club? Um, you have to have a clear identity, what it is you want to do within your community and, and what impact you want to have in the area that you're going to be uh, operating in. So is it that you just want to get to having a professional team um, and as quickly as possible? Or are you in it for the, the long term to build the game? and build the opportunities. I think there is a business element, both case um, as an owner, you'll look at invest really quickly and get a quick return and then you're out. There's the other one in it for the long haul and in it for the right reasons to develop both the game and the business. And I think I need to understand from an owner where they sit. And once you understand where they are, you can relate to how you want to help them the best way you possibly can. I think the growth of the game in the US is is going to take time. Um, Like you said, if you've been here since 81, you'd have seen that's taken 20, 30 years to get to where it is now. Probably it may be in my life side. I might not see the benefits of the game. It might be in 20 years time that really that's where it, it hits the pinnacle stage. Um, but if I was asking a question, asking a question around of me is what is it you want from the game? Is it you just want to the business model? Do you want to give more opportunities to young players in a professional status? Do you actually want to be a real um, part of your community that drives so many different things and and I'm not talking football either or soccer I'm talking about um, education in general health um, community-based projects um, some of the charity-based work that goes on really well in some of the towns or cities that are operating in you know getting under underneath all of that and what it means to them and their their communities or the areas they want to operate in I think are really important questions that I would ask ownership groups and so that therefore you can build a plan around that well, are you interested in a team, David? Am I interested David. in a team? <laughs> Built buying a team, is that what it is? Buying a team. Uh, not yet, no. I don't think I'm at that point currently, Lee. <laughs> uh, in the future, maybe. Yeah, well, final question for you, Lee. How does your organisation prioritise the, the diversity, equity and inclusion, both within the league and 
the broader community. You've obviously mentioned community quite a few times. It's not just the male game, it's the female game, and it's the opportunities within both genders to be able to have opportunities in in playing, coaching, development. Um, there's so many different things to that facet. Um, we have somebody here, we've just recently appointed, uh, Chris Busey, who's come in as looking at the overarching um, way we can have or measure impact in those communities and look at areas of diversity that currently we don't or maybe underrepresented in in certain things. Um, and that might be in managers, coaches, players, boardroom staff, senior level execs. And I think we have, a, like I said, a duty of care and a role of responsibility to make sure that we are safeguarding the game for everyone um, as it grows uh, and it will grow like I said continually over the next few years but we have a role and responsibility here in the league to make sure that we look at all of those things and we help clubs um, you know who maybe find it difficult to recruit um, a certain demographic or certain area of responsibility so we we try and work very closely with them and I think once clubs have got um, their key staffing structures in place and they look at their diverse you know, portfolio, if you want, of staff, players, uh, senior executives. We also look to how do we measure what impact they are having in their communities with their clubs. And I think that will take us to the next level. Once we can really measure and show those impacts, it doesn't just become about pre, pro and professional. It becomes around the uh, the game and being able to people of all access, all ages, um, being able to to enjoy and love the game. Um, on my last trip back to the UK, I spent some time with with Newcastle and went to their foundation. And um, and I saw, um, you know, my brother's involved in some coaching there. And I went to watch them and it was the um, the cerebral palsy team and the Down syndrome. And it was amazing to watch the enjoyment and the enlightenment it brought when you go back to the rawest part of the game, the enjoyment of kicking the ball around and playing with each other and sharing similar experiences with peers, I think, as its rawest form. That is what community impact is and, and looking at it in so many different ways. I think there's uh, there's some work to do in that area, but I think there's also a lot of rewards that can come um, for, for clubs that do it really, really well. Lee, thank you. Thank you for sharing an insight behind you know, your role, your experiences, and of course, where, where it's going to be going in the future over in the US for you, uh, and particularly the USL and everything else that comes with it. So thank you on behalf of David and myself. Appreciate the time you have there and thank you for the questions. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Golders podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't already subscribed, please do so. Your continued support is highly appreciated. And it means so much to us knowing that the content that's being produced is providing value in people's lives. If you would like to know more or get more information from us, you can follow us on Twitter at Gold Dust Podcast. And also you can visit our website at thegolddustcoach.com. Thank you, everybody.